Love Talk Radio. All right, let me get her started up here. All right, y'all go ahead and stand with me. Let's take a songbook out and turn to number 28. Number 28, Showers of Blessings. There shall be showers of blessings. This is a promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing. Then from the Savior above, showers of blessings. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing. Come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us appalling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we flee. Amen. Well, it's sure good to see y'all tonight. Amen. Been a while since I've seen all y'all. Praise God. That little girl has grown so much. It's incredible. Wow. Amen. And that one, too. Yeah. I'm telling you. What y'all feeding them kids, but they they take into it pretty good. Amen. It's good to be in church tonight. Good to see everybody. Amen. Pray for those who couldn't be with us tonight, wherever they may be. And uh, pray for those that are sick. Lift up Brother Grant in prayer. Continue the prayer for him. God will give him good days and ease his pain. Give him and Bonnie sweet hours together. Uh, he knows he doesn't have a long time left, but he's enjoying what he can with what he has. And, and uh, you know, God's gracious and God's merciful. And, and Grant's still, Grant still, he's still Grant. He's still doing, he's still doing all right. And if you get a chance to go see him, please try to go see him. He'd love to spend some time with you. Uh, he's doing fine. You know, like I said, he's, as far as his, you know, being there in the moment, even though he's having to take some medication to control his pain, he's still, he's still very much alert and everything else. So just, if you get a chance, I urge you. Try to go see him. Um, I'm trying to think who it is. My, my aunts, lift them up in prayer. My uncle over in Dallas. Uh, I want to remember to mention my friend Dale Parks. 
uh, out in California. He wrote a couple letters here. Last one I, I was late getting to read, but I. But anyway, he just wanted us to continue to pray for him. He's a truck driver, and uh, he's suffered through cancer, and he's having some heart issues, and about where he can't drive no more. And he's just asked our church to pray for him. Um, also, my friend Dean Ucy up there in Connecticut. Um, I'm trying to think. I know I got others on my heart and mind that I can't that ain't registering right now. But any other prayer requests tonight? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Me and I pray. You and Angel K. Yes, ma'am. Others? Anybody? He cannot walk. Goodness gracious. He can't use his legs. Mm -hmm. He can't use his good legs. If he goes home, they'll charge her $1,000 a shot for those antibiotics. Wow. And he has to have two days. He going in to try to recuperate? Yes. Okay. They're doing physical therapy. Okay. Right. What nursing home do y'all know? Okay. Well, that's one of the better ones. Yeah, that's what the doctor. Yeah, that's that's one of the better ones. All right. Anybody else? Any other prayer requests? I seen Scott said he was trying to go see his doctor, and his doctor was off, so he was going to be off. It's going to be another week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how are they feeling? I, I I know she was talking about the first part of the week. Someone was sick. Donnie's got it now. Okay. All right. Well, they just trying. It's just like a respiratory or something, brother. Yeah. They just trying to get over that. It's probably they get over it and everything goes well, so they can they can get married next Wednesday night. We just keep moving that thing forward, moving that thing forward. We're gonna to try to get her next Wednesday night, though. Yes. Anybody else? Anything else before we pray? Don't storm in a minute. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God lead us. Lord, just go to pray for the people who are Yes. Lord, you heard all the special prayer of faith. Go above and each name your family. Just take the call for you. Just name for it. Amen. You can be seated. Send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light. 
way that grace be everywhere abound in the light, in the light. And the Christ-like spirit everywhere be found, send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine Let us not grow weary in the work of love, send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown of us, send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore, send the light. Amen. Turn to number 58. <clears throat> when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. <clears throat> Christ, our Redeemer, died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his dues. All who receive him need never fear. Yes, he will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus can save. As he has promised, so will he do. O sinner, hear him, trust in his word. Then he will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I is coming, all will be there, who have rejected, who have refused, old sinner hasten, let Jesus in, then God will pass, will pass over you, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood. I will pass, I will pass over you. Oh, what compassion, oh, boundless love. Jesus has power, Jesus is true. All who believe are saved from the storm. Oh, he will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over. 
Amen. Just like the blood on the doorpost. Amen. Number 71, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Man built his house on the rock. His house didn't fall. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. All other ground is seeking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When not his blood poured me in the whelming flood, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and say. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Rest in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. That's the perfect song to lead into our lesson tonight. And uh, I didn't pick that out. Mama picked that out. So that's God working. Amen. When two people does the same thing together and didn't know that they was going to do it, I always happen to think that must have been I'd, at work. I don't know what this thing is telling me here. I'm talking about something on seconds. I don't know what seconds we're dealing with. I thought we was on air, but anyway, we'll see. <coughs> All right. I was at I was at a a funeral this this past week for uh, my dear friend brother James Sharrock. Over in Paris, it was with me for 12 years at Faith Baptist, and I got up to. Uh, well, I was I was second in line to uh, to speak for the Ken Cannon, who had been his pastor at Novice Baptist Church. Got up before me and read the obituary and shared a few thoughts, and, and then I got up, and he got over there and 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 said, "I have." Fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the fight. I thought, man, you have stole my scripture. That's what you did. So I got up and promptly said, you know, when you can always tell when God's in something because we both had the same idea. <laughs> I, I've seen that happen more times than I can count. I got up to uh, Brother Chad Long, who I preached for down in down in Rosanke in Delhi, Texas. Uh, his mother was... She was a church member of mine for years, Miss Patty Bates. And uh, when we did her funeral, it was a brother from a Post Oak Baptist Church over in Blossom and uh, and myself and uh, Brother Charles Wallace, 
from uh, he's now in our old building in Paris, and I didn't know him at the time, but all three of us got up and had the same message. Well, that same verse, but the same message. And, uh, you know, that's God at work. God does that when all those things just come together. It's just amazing how he does what he does. Take your Bible. Turn to Psalm tonight. Psalm 128. Psalm 128 is where in these Psalms of degrees, Psalms of degrees, uh, making our way toward the end of the book. And this has been a long study. I mean, I can't even tell you how long. This was started way back. Uh, it wasn't when we were meeting in the Dixie Kitchen building, I don't think. I think we started Psalms maybe when we were meeting at our house or your house on Wednesday night. I can't remember. It was when we were in between church buildings, I think. But it's been a long time coming, but I, I'm, we're getting toward the end of the, the book of Psalms. And it's been a blessing. It's really been a, a rewarding uh, study through through this book and uh, just seeing these songs of praise to God and songs of uh, of uh, crying out for help and and uh, praising him in a storm and, and thanking him on the mountaintop. It's just, it's just good all the way through. But if we remember before we get into these, these are, again, these are small, these are small songs that were sung on the way to worship in at the temple in Jerusalem. These are songs that they would sing when they were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem as they're coming in and going up the steps. These were the songs they were singing. And uh, so that's what you keep that in mind tonight as we look tonight. We talked about the different uh, ti- titles or uh, themes of the different ones. We, we've, coming from 120 forward, we've dealt with distress, divine aid, dwelling, direction, deliverance, defense, uh, delight, and protection. And tonight we're going to talk about a degree of promise. So we're going. To, this is a good one. This is about. This is about what happens to somebody when they fear the Lord. So let's read it and we'll pray and we'll get into the message tonight. Psalm 128 and following. Here we go. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer tonight. Our Lord, we come to you. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God. Father, I thank you tonight for the richness and the truth of the word of God. Lord, how it Lord, can take us from, Lord, being in a, in a state in our flesh where we don't want to be, and Lord, just sitting down and spending some time with, with thee. Lord, you comfort our troubled hearts, ease our troubled minds, and give us, Lord, that feeling of security and peace and comfort of knowing that we're your child and even though we're living, Lord, in the midst of a chaotic world, Lord, like a little leaf floating out in the middle of the ocean. Lord, sometimes we feel so helpless and hopeless, but Lord, we remember when we read your word that you're firmly in control and that you've got us. Lord, help us to lean not to our flesh but to the Spirit of God. Lean on you tonight. Teach us your truth. Speak to us now and comfort us and 
Lord, rejuvenate us in your word. We just thank you so much for being our God and being so faithful. Thank you, Lord, for the times where you've been faithful when I wasn't. Lord, you're always faithful. Help us, Lord, in our walk. And we'll give you praise and thanks tonight. Holy Ghost of God, open our understanding and give me power to preach. And we'll give you the praise and honor our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. And it is good. And we got several watching us tonight, I can see there. And praise God for those who are tuned in. And uh, we got a pretty good little audience tuning in watching us. Uh, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Amen. Thankful for those we're reaching. And I'm praying God will bless them too. All right. So let's get into this and look at this tonight as, as we study these, these psalms, of, psalms of degrees. And uh, let, me, let me just start off by saying this. I know the secret to happiness. I know it. Amen? There's people all over this world who are looking for the secret to happiness. But I got it. Y'all want to know what it is? I guarantee you, if you'll latch on to this secret of happiness, I promise you, you'll be happy for the rest of your life. You say, that ain't, preacher. That, that ain't possible, preacher. Nobody would be happy the rest of their life. Well, I say it's a secret, and it's a secret because so many people don't. They don't seem to know it, and they don't seem to believe it if they do know it. But it's actually possible to stay in a state of happiness. And like I said, it's a secret. And like I said, another thing about the secret is that it absolutely works for everybody every time. There ain't nobody saying, well, it didn't work for me. It will if you'll, if you'll follow the instructions. As long as the conditions are met, it's foolproof. And I can guarantee you'll be happy. You say, wow, I want to know what that is. Okay? We just read it. We just read it. I'll read that first verse to you again. The Bible says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. So all you have to do to be guaranteed to be happy for the rest of your life is to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways. And you may, and I know maybe you're thinking now, well, what does that mean to fear the Lord? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be afraid of God? Is that what you're saying? Preacher, no, I'm not saying you're supposed to be afraid of God. But the word fear there, here's the definition of that word fear. Listen closely, because, you know, there's a lot of people that read about fearing the Lord, fearing the Lord, but they don't understand what that means. So, so make sure you hear this so you get this. Fear of the Lord, that word fear means a reverence, a reverence with affection and devotion. So your reverence toward God with affection because you love him and you're devoted to him, coupled together with a deep desire not to offend God. So I love him, and I'm devoted to him, and so I respect him with an with a awe and reverence, and I don't want to offend my God. That's fear. You see, there's a lot of people that's got the title Christian, but they don't have no fear of the Lord. These people sit in church pews, in church seats, whatever you want to call them, all over this country today, all over this country tonight, sitting in a church somewhere, and they singing the songs of faith, they bowing their heads to pray, they got a Bible open in their lap, but they don't fear the Lord. That's the honest God, sad truth of the matter. And that's why their lives are in chaos, why their lives are in turmoil, and they can't seem to figure it out. And they say, God, I just don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why you won't bless me. I mean, a lot of people beat their head against the wall and say, we go, we go to church, we do everything. I had people used to come up to me years ago. I had people... Walked up, I stand at the pulpit in Paris, 
They walked up on this side. He stood right there, and he said, Preacher, we're doing everything we're supposed to do. I don't understand why God won't bless us. Okay? It, and, I, and I told him, it's because you're trying to do everything. Okay? It's you think that you're going to do everything, and that's going to please God because you're doing everything just right. You think you're doing everything just right. It's not about you just being, you can't be perfect, man. You can't work it out and try to fix it on your own. Now, he didn't mean he was being obedient to everything God said. He meant he was trying his best. Okay? It's not about your works. It's about your heart. It's about what, it's about your, your, your heart, your mind, and your will, where they are. <clears throat> so you've got to have this fear of God. You've got to have this, this reverence. It's, it's very similar to a child and their dad. Okay? If that child knows that as long as they're obedient to their, their dad, their dad's going to make sure they've got everything and, and they'll be taken care of and, and, and they'll be blessed and they'll have his favor and, and he'll hug on them, love on them, and, and, and do good things for them. But they know, now if I don't do what daddy says and if I go against what daddy says, i got to worry about that belt he's got around his waist. Or i got to worry about that, that paddle he's got in the closet. Or I gotta worry about this big wooden spoon or whatever whatever level you're at. That switch, that fly swatter, that branch out there on that whippoorwill tree, whatever it might be. In my daddy's case, it might have been an extension cord if he'd get his hand on it. He grabbed whatever was handy. I got hit with a Dr. Pepper can one time because he couldn't get nothing else. I mean, listen, you learn to fear your authority. You do it out of respect and love because you know they love you, but you you gotta you got to honor them. And the Bible tells us that the man who will fear the Lord always, who walks around through life with that honor and respect and devotion and affection and a desire not to offend God, he says that man will be blessed. Matthew 10, 28, listen to the Bible. And fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now you say, well, I'm saved. That's right. You don't have to worry about being, you're having yourself thrown into hell, but you know what? The realization that he's able to do that to those who reject his son ought to cause us to say, whoo, he's got that kind of authority. I better pay attention. Amen? Listen, that's the God I serve. He's able to put somebody in hell for all eternity. I need to listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Maybe I'm not going. Maybe I don't have any chance of going to hell, and I'm thankful for that because my sins are all washed away because Jesus' blood washed my sins away when I came to Him for salvation and trusted Him as my Savior. So I don't have to worry about going to hell because my sins have all been forgiven. I mean, that doesn't give me a license to live like the devil and do what I want to do. No, God will whip me. That's why I fear Him. I don't want Him to whip me. I don't want Him to have to chastise me and whip me to get me in line with Him. I don't want to be. I want to live. I want to live a peaceable existence with God. I want his blessing and favor. I, I don't have to fear hell, but, but I do need to fear him. You say, what do I got to fear then if I don't fear hell? 2 Corinthians 5, 11, Paul said this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The terror of the Lord. The terror of the Lord. What terror are you talking about, Paul? Paul's talking about the terror of standing before Jesus Christ someday with nothing to show for Christian life. 
He's talking about standing there, and your works are laid out there. Your your words, I mean, everything you said, everything you've done, as far as what's supposed to have been a Christian life is laid bare, and there's nothing to show for it. You ain't got anything. You're standing before Jesus. The realization that you wasted everything is going to hit you like a ton of bricks. I mean, shame is going to come over you, and you're going to want to disappear, but there ain't nowhere to go. And you're sitting there standing, staring into the eyes of God Almighty. That's not a place you want to be. Listen, empty-handed. That's why Paul talked about the terror of the Lord. You say, what can I do about it, preacher? Get busy. Surrender to God and get busy. Use what time you got left. Don't make no more excuses. I'm just telling you the honest truth. <clears throat> he said, we persuade men. Persuade men to what? Get busy. Quit making excuses. Surrender. Let God have you. Ask God to show you what he wants you to do. Second Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Paul said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. There's filthiness of the flesh, and we know what that is. That's the the way we used to live our lives. That's the way we used to conduct ourselves. Things that we, old habits, old patterns, old friends, old family ways, things we know don't honor God, but yet we still allow those things in our life because it's old hat for us. The ruts we fall into. God says, get that stuff out of your life. It's dragging you, keeping you drugged back from serving me. You can't go anywhere with me because you're tied to your old life. He said, get that garbage out of there. Cleanse yourself from all the filthiness of the flesh. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the spirit. Quit trying to serve God your way. Quit trying to do it your way. Surrender to God. Let him have you. There shouldn't be any pride in serving God. There shouldn't be any arrogancy in serving God. It ought to be humility. It ought to be an understanding that he's in charge and we're not. We never have been and we never will be. It says perfecting holiness. That means every day we live, we're to be trying to put one day down better than the last one. We're trying, not in our strength, not in our wisdom, but in God's strength and God's wisdom and by God's spirit, may we put down another day today, maybe better than the one we did yesterday, trying to get better at living a, a holy life before God. <clears throat> he said, in the fear of God. That's the reason, because we know that we're going to stand before him. Philippians 2.12, he said, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen to what Paul says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he doesn't mean that work out figuring out how to get to heaven because he's talking to people who already know how they're going to heaven. It's by Jesus' blood. It's because we're in the family of God now. He said, don't let your salvation just sit there dormant doing nothing. He's saying, work it out. Live your salvation out. Listen, it, it, it's, it's, it's something to be enjoyed, not something to be endured. We ought not look at it as, a, as, as a, a hard thing to live as a Christian. It ought to be something we do naturally because we, we I mean, well, it's supernaturally. We can't do it naturally, but it's something we ought to do supernaturally every day. We ought to go to God and say, God, help me live today. Lord God, give me the wisdom and the strength to get through today without messing everything up, running everybody else's life. I try to do it myself. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mess up everybody's day I come in contact with. Because I don't know what I'm doing without God. That's a fact. 
Ephesians 5.21, he said, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That means get along because, hey, God's watching. Amen? Get along with them. Why? For Christ's sake. Get along with folks. He's talking about husbands and wives there. That's, that's, that's how you really battle with more than anybody else, your spouse. Right? I, I mean, I know any way it should be, but, you know, often the ones we're closest to are the ones we butt heads with the hardest. Amen? Y'all know that's right. Don't look at me like that. Amen? Don't make me feel like I'm the only one, because I know I'm not. Amen? So, all right. Well, amen help every now and then with stuff like that. But anyway... <laughs> We, we, we're to submit ourselves as a Christian. Listen, everybody ain't going to treat you just right. Some people are going to be rude to you. But you know what? You can take it for Jesus' sake and be kind to them back. Why? Because you want to keep your testimony. You want to keep your witness. Amen? You know what? We all know, and, I, and I, again, God forbid, I, I, know, I know I'm guilty. Y'all pray for me. You know what? I, I, I hate to admit it, but sometimes I get a temper. Sometimes I do. Sometimes uh, something hit me and somebody said just wrong, and I, I, huh? And before I know it, I done let myself get angry over something. Y'all pray for me. I don't like being that way. But that's see, that's what happens when your flesh jumps up on you. And, and, and we're not to do that. We're to turn it over to God. So you know what? I fear the Lord, therefore I don't want to make a big deal out of nothing. Right? I want to get along with you. God tells us that it's important. That we that we realize that listen we we're drawing his air, we're pumping his blood, living on his ground, amen. We're we're his. We all not get high and mighty, but we can live above what he's told us to live. How he's told us to live, because God forbid we're not our, we're not our own. We're his. Bible tells us. Paul said, "You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Cost you. It cost God the blood of His only begotten Son for you." So he tells us, again, and I know you say, well, you're bogging down that first verse. I know what I do it every time. But anyway, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Walking means behaving. It doesn't mean walking with your feet. It means behaving a certain way. So it means to behave according to the ways of God. Walking in the ways of God means that, you know, I'm not going to listen to my friends to tell me how I'm supposed to do things or act. And, and I'm listen, if what they tell me don't line up with what God tells me, I'll throw their advice out the window. God's the one I need to listen to. I need to behave according to his word. So if we fear the Lord properly, we'll behave accordingly. And if we do that, God promises us happiness. Because, see, when you begin to, when you begin to live according to God's rules, you realize, hey, this world really ain't got a whole lot of restraint on me. You know, what, I don't care what they say on the news because it don't line up with what's in here. And I'm going to be concerned about what says in here because what God says is going to happen, what happens is going to happen. I don't care what Hollywood puts out. I don't care what the news tries to convince me of. Listen, I know the Bible, and what the Bible tells me I can bank on. I can, I can lean on that. I can, I, can, I can plant my feet there, and I don't have to worry about what this world's got going on. I can live and honor God and be happy. He said, but you don't know what's going to happen. I know I don't have to know what's going to happen exactly, but I know I know I know who's got me. And I know he tells me and tells me not to be anxious for anything. All right, verse two. I'll hear it and we'll get going. We'll get to it. <clears throat> verse two, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. 
Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. It should always be seen as a blessing to be gainfully employed, to be able to have a job, be able to go and work and earn a living. There's so many people in this world that can't work. They, they they ain't got the capacity to work anymore. Their hands won't work right. They 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 just can't. They, or they got back problems. Or they you know they 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 can't see. Or they can't do this. They got all kinds of problems. A lot of people can't work. You know what? If you're able to work, thank God for that. God says, "Thou shalt either labor thy hands, happy shalt thou be." You know what? There's so many that won't do any work. And God help them if they won't do any work. The Bible says, "If you won't work, you shouldn't eat." That's what God says. But it's a gift of God to be able to earn a paycheck. God says, look, if you can work, if you can work and earn a living, you'll be happy. Listen, that's what he's talking about. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. Listen, he says, so thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. We still live in a country where you're able to earn a paycheck. I know they don't give you all of it that you're supposed to get. I understand all that. It don't work perfectly. It ain't a perfect system. I know it's not a great system, but at least we're able. At least what you earn don't go to the government, every bit of it. That's the way it is in other places. You work, you don't get paid. You get a ration. At least here, if you got a mind and you're able to do some things, you can earn a living. But God has given us, given many of us unique abilities. I mean, Robert's able to do some great painting and, and woodwork. And all kind of, God give him the talent and ability with, with woodwork. I mean, you know, he's able to do that. I know, Donnie, I don't know what all you do, but I know you do a lot of stuff. I mean... I know he give you talent to do some things. I know he got, he give he give Lucas the talent to weld and do all that stuff. I mean, listen, God God give me the ability to play the guitar. He used to be able to sing. My voice about gone now. I mean, listen, but you got the talent to play the piano. I say you say I know those things ain't making us money. Some of it, but but we got talent that God give us. He's give us abilities, and we ought to use them for His glory. You know, and, and it's not just that, but some of us. Some people, God gives unique abilities and the opportunity to pursue our interests so that we can do what we love to earn a living. I thought about this verse of Scripture over in Proverbs. I read it every now and then, and I think to myself, I'm going to pray for that. Proverbs 8, 12, he says, I wisdom, wisdom, God speaking about, or Solomon speaking about wisdom as a person, because wisdom is a person. Wisdom is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is wisdom. He says, I wisdom dwell with prudence. Prudence means cautiousness or carefulness. Uh, you know, not, not, not anxious care like worry, but just being careful in what you do. Uh, so he said, I, I wisdom dwell with prudence or cautiousness and find out knowledge of witty inventions. I always like that verse. I thought about I thought about the man they named Letourneau University out of. He started. He 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 got convicted after hearing a sermon on giving to God, and he, and uh, you know he 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 said, I, "Lord, I'm gonna start giving you twenty percent instead of ten. So he started giving twenty percent to God, and that went along for a while. And God started blessing him. He said, "Well, Lord, I'm just gonna give you thirty percent." And I don't know at what point it was, but at some point when he's up and he's giving, God started giving him dreams at night. And he started having these intricate dreams, and he, he saw the he, in his dreams he imagined the blueprints for this massive, huge uh, equipment, earth-moving equipment. And he'd wake up, and he he would start drawing these things, and and, and drawing these blueprints for these machines, and 
And and sure enough, God God gave him these dreams, and he 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 bought, he founded Laterno University after after founding a great company and building these huge machines. And he got to where God uh, where he was giving God up to ninety percent of his income and living off ten percent. You know why? You know why God blessed him like that? Because God knew that man would give back. God knew the man's heart. You know what that man wanted? That man wanted to please the Lord. He wanted his his ways to please the Lord. And God blessed him above measure because, again, he's a vessel he could pour into and it would pour right back out. He could pour into, it would pour right back out. So the person, again, the person who has an intimate knowledge of God, the person who walks with God, who, who spends time reading from the Word of God and letting God speak to him daily and talking to God and sharing all the the things in his heart with God, that person who lives their life in a cautious manner is the most likely to discover things that will make life simpler for himself and and others and make themselves a living helping others in the process. I remember reading, uh, and some of y'all might know the name Zig Ziglar. He was one of the greatest salesmen ever lived. Taught Sunday school uh, class over in Dallas, First Baptist Church of Dallas. They put his Sunday school class on TV. Uh, Zig Ziglar, he said, you can have anything in this world that you want if you help enough other people get what they want. That's, that's a pretty good thing to live by. You help enough other people, God will make sure you got what you want. Amen? And you take care of them first. And, and that's, that's kind of what God's saying here. You know what? You shall eat the labor of your hands. What you produce, that's, how, that's what you're going to take care of yourself with. And he said, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. It'll give you a sense of satisfaction. Amen? If you do a good day's labor and get paid for it, it ought to give you a sense of satisfaction, help you lay your head on the bed and the pillow at night and sleep well. I mean, that's God's desire. God wants you to be happy. For somebody that God wants you to be miserable all the time, they don't know God very well. God does not want us to be sad and miserable and, and bummed out and the mother grubs or our knuckles dragging the ground or lip right far, not far behind. God don't want us to live like we fell off the back of the hearse and had wild persimmons for breakfast. I mean, he just don't want us to live that way. Just a sire and draw it up. No, he wants us to be happy. But you're only going to find that happiness in him. You won't find it in anything in this world. You won't find it in your way, in your dream of a life. You'll only find it living a peaceful, fruitful life in his name. You won't find it any other way. There is no good life outside of a life lived with God. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Paul said, And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. We're to study to be quiet. In other words, we're not to we're not to we're not going this life. I'm going to make my mark on this world. No, that's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to live quiet lives. If God's, you know, it's that, that 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 verse about where Jesus says, you know, that we're to we're to. Well, he gives the story about the man who comes into the into the wedding and he goes up and he finds the best seat, and then he has to and then the the the, the the main man at the wedding says, "Hey, what are you doing up here? This is this is for the for the family, the special guests. You come back now. You sat in the lowest seat over here, in the, in the far and back, back behind the curtain. We can't nobody see." 
God said it's a whole lot better to be sitting back there behind that curtain in the corner and have them come over and say, hey, friend, come up here and get you a good seat. Rather than this, we're going to have to walk you down there to the work street. And God says, you know what, study to be quiet. Study to live a, a, a quiet, peaceable life to please God. Quit worrying about everybody patting you on the back and giving you awards and plaques. I was listening to a song on the way over here. And it's talking about that. He said, you know, I, uh, my name won't ever go down in history. There won't be any marble plaques to honor me. There won't be no great parades. So, but there's a record book my name's written in. In, the, in God's book of life. Amen. That's the only place I care that my name's ever wrote down is in the book of life. That you study to be quiet and to do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you. We are to pray for that peaceful life. We ought to hit our knees every day and say, God, help my, me and my family to live a peaceful life. How do we do that? God tells us to pray for that peaceful life by praying for kings. He says in 1 Timothy 20, 2, 2 verse 2, praying for kings. We don't have a king, but we're to pray. We're to pray for old Sleepy Joe even though we know he ain't in charge. We're to pray for old Kamala Harris even though we know she ain't in charge neither. I guess we ought to pray for Obama and Hillary and George Soros because they're the ones pulling the, sh- pulling the levers and calling the shots behind it all. But we need to pray for them that God will get them out of there and get somebody else in there that will do better. But listen, he may not want to because America's in such a sin-sick situation. You look at how many people got in here tonight. But I guarantee if we got in the car and went over to the casino, it would be a whole lot more people in there than there is in here. I guarantee if we tried it down at Walmart, we'd find a whole lot more people in there. I guarantee if you go to you go to a football game or you go to a basketball game or you go you go to a volleyball game at a high school and you'll find a whole lot more people in there than you already got in here. And that's why we're in such a mess today. Because people are not hungry for God. People are not hungry to, to know God's will and to live a life that's pleasing to God. And I'm telling you tonight, listen, you and I better listen to what God's saying, and then people listening to me on this phone right here better listen to what God's saying because God's dead serious about us living a Christian life. And honoring him because he deserves to be honored. Woe unto us if we forget that. Amen. We're going to, we're going to, God's going to have to get, the, get us, take us out behind the woodshed and straighten us out because we're his children. All right, let's keep on going here. Let's get to the next verse. Verse 3. <clears throat> he said, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. I hate I hate Donnie and Eric ain't here tonight. I want them to hear this, but that's all right. Uh, you see, God intends for the home to be a place of happiness. God wants it to. It shouldn't be a place of turmoil. It ought to be a place of security, a place a place where you can find rest. A place of happiness. He blesses a man with a wife and the wife with a husband. He blesses. I know sometimes we think it ain't a blessing. Sometimes we think, Lord, what's wrong with her, you know? Well, God, that's why God said, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You don't understand her all the time. That don't mean you don't love her, amen? She don't understand you either, so don't feel all by yourself. But, uh... But he says, God said in the Word of God in Genesis two eighteen, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. No. Because he, he won't clean the house. Amen? And he'll, he'll get he'll pile up to the ceiling all around him, you know? No, it's not good for a man should be alone. 
He said, I'll make a help meet for him. Men tend to think they got it figured out and know what they're doing, but they don't. And they, when they get a when they get a, a when they get a good wife, they realize they didn't know what they were doing, and they didn't know how good they could have it until they got somebody there who truly loves them and wants to wants to do for them and take care of them and and love them the way they ought to be loved and and show them the the honor that that a husband ought to be shown and and he have somebody he can pour all his love into and take care of. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way God intended for it to be. Proverbs eighteen twenty two said, "Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing." and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So you know what that tells me? He obtaineth favor of the Lord. Favor favor to me is, is you know, actually, you know, I, I, think about, I think about my grandpa. You know, boy, he loved me to death. I'm talking, and I ain't talking about one grandpa. I know both of them did. I didn't see mama's daddy as much as I've seen my daddy's daddy. I spent, I spent, Sixty percent of my time or more with them, and well, you talk about somebody loved me furiously. I, I mean, listen, I, I, all, all I want to do is jump up in my papa's lap. You know, I mean, I loved him as hard as a man can love anybody else, and and I and I always knew that I had his favor. I knew he was on my side. I mean, he it was all over his face every time, especially when I was a little bitty boy, you know, and I'd run up and give him a hug. I mean, he just light up like a like a light bulb. And I and I, he's always won't do something for me. He's always doing, you know, give me something or, or or saying, don't you tell nobody I give you this, you know. You know, he's always sneaking me a piece of candy or a piece of gum or something, you know. I, I had his favor, so I was blessed. In other words, I had it. I had blessing on me. And the Bible says that a man that finds a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So that wife is there, and I know in America we got it all upside down. This culture, this society we live in, people don't know what they're doing. They think they think you get married, she she got married because he got off. He gonna make that money, and she gonna buy all them things and have all this stuff and and live like a princess and and you know and. Quiet and complain. I mean, that's the way it is on TV. I don't watch it garbage, but I see it in passing. This world ain't got no idea what a marriage is anymore. No. God intends it for it to be a situation where he can bless a man through his wife. He can love that man through that man's wife. The, the favor that that she shows to her husband is a reflection of the way the Lord feels about that man. And the love that he shows toward his wife is a reflection of how the Lord feels toward that woman. That's what, and if we, if we get our own flesh out of the way, that's the way a marriage will be. And it'll be a wonderful, blessed thing. God describes the wife here as a fruitful vine. You know what fruitful means? It means it's got lots of leaves on it. And it's got lots of, I mean, if we're talking about a fruit, are we talking about a grapevine? It's got grapes everywhere, bunches hanging everywhere, a fruitful vine. He said, man, boy, didn't that thing make this year? Look at it. I mean, look at them, look at them hot clusters hanging off of it. That's the way God intends for a wife to be. She's a Proverbs 31 woman he's describing here. She's good for her husband and her family. As a fruitful vine, she's beautiful to see. Well, you go out in the garden and everything's just making like crazy. That's beautiful. Look at all that, you know. I mean, and and, and that's the way that's the way a wife is to be. She's to be 
she used to be beautiful for her husband to look at. And not only that, but she's, God uses her as an instrument of blessings. I mean, the fruit that she produced, that's children. That's the children that, that she, she's to, she's to have. And, and listen, again, she's profitable. She seeks the good of her family. She's an invaluable source of friendship to her husband, help to her husband, love to her husband, mercy to her husband, tenderness. And every bit of that is given to her to give to him by God. She don't come up with that on her own. That's all given from God. So like I said, the fruit of the marriage is children. And we saw that in the verse there. It says he, the children are like olive plants round about thy table. <clears throat> and every child is a gift from the Lord. They're gifts. We need to remember that. I, you know, I, I was listening to uh, somebody talking today. I was listening to a message, and, and they were talking about they'd lost one of their children. And it was a pastor, and he was talking about how how he, he, he almost got scared because he had other children, and he was afraid God was going to take one of them too. And, and he was talking about the fear he was going through. But, you know, and I, and I was sitting there watching my little girl trotting across the floor, and I thought, how would I feel if God took her? How could I deal with that? But I realized, and I don't ever want to have to deal with that. I don't ever want to, to even come across close to, to dealing with that. But I realize there are people who do go through that. And, and, and if you're ever in that situation, you just have to realize that we serve a sovereign God who knows what's going on, and he knows what he's doing. And if he takes them, it's because he wants them there more than we, we need them here. And we can't understand that, but we have to trust him because he's sovereign, and what he does is right. But they're a gift, again. We wouldn't have them if God didn't give them to us, if God didn't allow us to have them. How many people want to have children and can't have children? Listen, they're a gift, and we ought never forget that. The Bible says they're like olive plants. And if I know anything about plants, uh, plants need tending to. can't just grow on their own. They just, uh, just grow wild. You know, they need pruning. Children need pruning. Children not left to their own children left to their own devices to get themselves in trouble. You have to say, no, you can't do that. Let's just get that out of the way and throw that away. You're not going to do that. You're not going to go there and act like that and do that. So let's just cut that right off. Trim them back, amen? They need pruning. Again, they can't be allowed just to grow wild. Plants are to be nourished, and children are to be nourished. And what do you mean by that, preacher? I mean, we're to, we're to teach them the Word of God. What has caused us to blossom and to bloom in our life to be better? God's Word, the presence of God, the Spirit of God in us. And we need to pass that on to our children. We need to teach that to our children. We need to raise them upright so that they have a chance and a future and a home and a family themselves because they won't get it learning from this world. They're going to get it learning in this book in a church house or at home being taught by godly parents. they got to be tended to so that they themselves can be fruitful. Proverbs 22, 6, you all know this verse. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we've used that verse a lot of different ways, but I thought about it in the context of these olive plants. When a gardener, I, as a matter of fact, I was watching a video today because I'm interested in, in planting some muscadine vines and, and, and having me a, a, little, a, little, a little 
trellis of, of muscadine grapes. I love muscadine grapes. I, I think they're fantastic. I don't I don't condone drinking, and I ain't gonna make no wine. But I like jelly awful well. Amen. And I like muscadine juice. I used to get bottles of it. That's some good stuff. But you know, when you're dealing with them vines, you got to train those vines. You got to get them. You got to you get them up there high enough, and then you and then you wrap them around something, and you train them to grow a certain way. You get them up so high enough, and you cut the top of it so it'll branch out in different directions. You wind, wind them around the wire, and you train them like that. And when you train a vine or you or you train a tree and bend it a certain way and it grows that way, you know what will happen? It won't change after it gets grown, will it? You train that vine to grow a certain way, it's going to retain that shape. You know what? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, you know what? He'll retain that shape. You raise him up to love the Word of God, to know God, to walk in his ways and trust him, rely on him and depend on him. And when they get out of, and all the underpinnings of life are cut out, mom and dad's gone, and they're having to do everything on their own, they're still going to cling to God because that's the way they've been trained to go. Verse 4, I'm almost there. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. <clears throat> the man that fears the Lord will be blessed. That's what that verse is telling us. So let me tell you this, and, and don't take me wrong when I say this. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. A man cannot be a redneck, cannot be ghetto or any other term that I'm about to describe and walk with God. Not only that offends you. Here's what I mean by that. I ain't a redneck. I'm country to the bone, but I'm not redneck. I may be a little hillbilly, but I ain't redneck. And here's why I'm going to tell you, because a godly man cannot be cocky. A cocky man is not a godly man. A cocky man is full of pride. A redneck's cocky. You know, I, I literally got the cap about half sideways on the head and look at you out of one eye. You know, cocky. I know I've been raised up with them. I know all about them. Amen. I used to spend every weekend with them. I, I, my daddy run with them. I know a redneck if I see one. Arrogant. Surly. That's another word. Don't hear that word much. You know what that means? I got a chip on my shoulder. Don't don't bug me. We'll, we'll deal with it, you know. Who are you looking at? You know, that's that kind of attitude that I'm talking about. It don't make no difference if you're wearing, if you're wearing Carhartt jacket and a, and a, and a feed store cap or whether you got your, your, your shorts hanging off your rear end and a, and a, a Chicago Bulls uh, jersey on and, and walking around with an Afro picture. It don't make no difference what you look like. It's the attitude that goes with that kind of a person. Easily offended. Who you say? Who you talking to me? You talking to me? Easily offended. Can't be like that and be a godly man. Foul mouth. Can't be that way and be a godly man. Racist. You can't be that way and be a godly man. Whether you're a white racist or a black racist or a Mexican racist or an Asian racist, doesn't make you difference what color you are, what what what. what what your lineage is, a racist is a racist is a racist, and a racist hates somebody else from the color of their skin. And if you hate other people because of the color of their skin, then you ain't walking with God. You don't love God because God loves every one of them, and he made every one of them in his image, and he wants all of them to be saved. That means the guy with a dot in the middle of his forehead to talk like this. 
You supposed to love him too. And I'm gonna I don't care where he comes from. If he's if he's from India or whether he's from he's an Eskimo from Africa, I mean Alaska, rather not Africa. <laughs> or whether he's a pygmy from Africa, it doesn't make any difference. God wants him saved. And if we are if we are cocky, sawed off something another, that think we we're God's gift to everybody. You can't walk with God and be like that. God says the man that's blessed is the one that fears the Lord. That man will be humble. That man, that man won't be cocky or arrogant. He'll be humble. He won't be looking for a fight. He'll be looking for a, to bless somebody. He won't be walking around with a chip on his shoulder. He'll be walking around trying to help somebody. He won't be running around easily offended. He'll be the one who's trying to talk to you while you've been rude to him. He'll be foul-mouthed. He'll, he'll answer cursing with blessings. He ain't going to hate you because of what you are. He's going to love you in spite of what you are. He ain't going to be vulgar. He's going to speak with blessing. Proverbs 10, 8, The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. That's another word we don't say a lot, prating. It's a loud mouth. Somebody who's a loud mouth running their head all the time, <laughs> They, they headed for a fall. You know, God, God blesses the humble man, the one who's quiet, the one who, who's not seeking. Hey, look at me. God's not interested in that kind of attitude. God's more interested in a, hey, there you are kind of person. He's always looking to help somebody instead of looking to get all the attention. The wise in heart has surrendered to the Lord, has stopped being their own idol, let that sink in for a second. A lot of people are their own idol. They, 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 they worship self. They gonna do. They, if it if it blesses me, that's what I'm gonna do. I ain't worried about everybody else. Just taking care of myself. Looking out for number one. That means you're your own idol. Um, the wise in heart don't do that. They've turned the reins of their life over to the Lord, and they fear and they respect His word. They they are blessed by Him because they are vessels that God is able to fill and use. First, uh, Second Timothy, rather, I'm almost done. Second Timothy 2, 19-21, Paul said, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And he said, And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In other words, we can't stay the way we used to be. Remember Sunday, I said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we got to depart from the way we used to be. And he goes on, he says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And I've used this example over and over about the golden pitcher versus the chamber pot. And they're all both in the same house, but you ain't going to drink out of both of them. No, the vessel under honor is kept clean and ready to be used. The chamber pot, well, we'll rinse it out, but we know what it's going to be used for again, so we're not trying to get it spick and span. We just want to get it clean. But we're not getting it clean enough to eat out of. But the Bible said, you know, but here's the thing. The way we lived before we got saved, we was all chamber pots. But God makes us a new vessel. He wants to make us one that, that he can pour into wonderful, heavenly things. 
things of the Spirit, things that we can't do, we can't manufacture. It's heaven-sent things. It's things that only the Spirit can rock, could have brought through us. And he puts those things into these vessels. And he says, take those vessels and pour those out for other people. Take, be a vessel to carry my love to somebody else. Carry my mercy and my grace and my peace and my joy to somebody else. Pour that out in their life, and then come back and get back under the spout, and I'll fill you up again, and you can go back out. And it's just a constant filling and pouring, filling and pouring, filling and pouring. And that's ministry. That's what ministry is. It's just getting next to Jesus and getting full of his love and taking it and sharing it with somebody else and going and getting some more and taking it and sharing it with somebody else. If a man purge himself from these, what? The old iniquities of his life. If he'll purge himself from the filth that used to make him dirty, he said, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Do you realize what that means? That means someday when we're standing before Jesus, he'll honor us rather than let shame fall on us. So that when we do stand there, we won't fear the terror of the Lord because we know that we've been used to honor him. And he says, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, which means set apart for God's use. Listen, like, like, like that cup that you like to drink out of at home, it's yours. And he's like, don't drink out of that, that's my cup. Somebody, everybody, usually somebody's got one like that. I got one, here it is, right here. I bought that, especially because I didn't want nobody else using it. I bought two of them. Y'all see my purple one on Sunday morning full of coffee? This one's got Coca-Cola in it. That's the only two cups I use. I got the purple one, you know what I'm drinking. If you got the blue one, you know what I'm drinking. All right? That's my vessel. I pour into it and I pour out. I love this vessel. God loves me. I'm his vessel. You know what? When, I, when, I, when he gets ready to do something, he'll reach down and pour something in me and send me to somebody else. If I stay clean and right with him, sanctified. I told him, I'm yours, Lord. You're mine. I'm yours. I want to be used by you. And he says, and me for the master's use. In other words, we need to stay clean so that we're... Listen, because, trust me, if somebody had done, made, made some food and they rake their plate off in the sink and they scrape off some garbage, I ain't going to drink that up because it's clean. <laughs> guarantee you. I ain't going to pick it up and they got a pea and a carrot and, and, and some cornmeal down there. I ain't drinking that. Old spaghetti off that. No, clean that sucker out before I'm drinking it. God looks down at us sometimes, sees all the garbage in us, and he says, I ain't using them. Think about it. God wants us clean. He wants us to be used, prepared for under every good work. God can do anything with us. God's used me when I ain't like I could be used. You say, how do you know? Because I, I went into some things. I've been, I've been used in funeral services. I've been used at bedsides. I've been used in all kinds of places where I felt scared to death when I was on my way over there, praying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to help these people. God, please help me. Until you've been in those shoes, until you've been a, a preacher or, or some kind of minister, you help somebody in some way, you don't want to know what it's like to be in the car on the way over there and feeling so inadequate, feeling like, how can I ever say things to help these people? But yet, put myself in his hands and turn myself over to him, and it's not me at all. It ain't nothing to do with me because I'm still the same scared-to-death individual I was before I drove over there, but I'm trusting him. I'm saying, Lord, put, fill me up. And I leave there, and people say, oh, you're such a blessing. Thank you so much. And I'm thinking, I didn't do nothing. But God can do something with us we don't even know we can do. God can use us in ways we never even knew he could use us. 
Verse 5, we're almost done. I know I run over. I, I promise you. I got, I'm not even going to read verse 6. I ain't going to comment on that one uh, too much. Uh, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Now, this is a promise to Israel, but I want you to understand we can look at this, at this blessing, this promise, and, and, and over, over number 6, 24 through 26, let me read it to you. I don't believe this is just to Israel. I believe this is to every child of God. He says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. I know that God blesses me and keeps me. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. I want God to look at me and smile. I want God to look at me and, and think good things toward me and be gracious unto thee. Oh, I need the graciousness. I need the grace of God, don't you? And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. I mean, that means the Lord's just like, I want to bless you. I want to smile upon your life and give thee peace. It's like a father, it's like a father looking in on his child, sleeping peacefully in the bed, smiling in the doorway. The Lord let his countenance shine upon you. I want God to look at me like that. You know how to get there? Hear the Lord. Walk in his ways. How's it start? starts by you getting on your knees and telling God you want to do that. And then getting up from there and, and doing it. He says, and yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. What a blessing it is. I've got two grandchildren. And I look at them sometimes and I think to myself, what a blessing they are to me. Thank you, Lord, for, for allowing me to, 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 to spend time with my grandchildren. And, and there's just, I mean... I hear people say it all the time. If I know that'd been that much fun, I'd have had them first. But you know, but they truly are a blessing. They truly are, and and it's just like I don't even know how to describe it. You just you just it's a feeling. You know, hey, my my generations are going to continue. You know, my my family name is going to continue. You know, what I did on this earth wasn't all for nothing. You know, I, they're going to live. They're going to live good lives. Listen, both my grandchildren are baptized right behind me. They both know the Lord Jesus Christ. They got. They've got some obstacles in their life to overcome. But you know what? God. God helped me through mine. He'll help them through theirs. And it's a blessing knowing that that God has blessed me that much. So he saw. He saw fit to not only bless me with children, but to bless me with grandchildren. What a what a what a God I serve. And he's made me happy. So, preacher, is everything in your life perfect? No. Is everything in your life perfect? No. But am I happy? Yeah. Yeah. Could things be better? Sure. Could always be better. But are you happy? Yeah. Why? Because I know my name's written in that book. Amen. I know that God loves me and wants me to be blessed. I know that. I know that. That. Anything and everything that I've ever needed, I can find in Jesus. And all I've got to do is get on my knees with God and tell him, and God wants to bless me. I just got to walk with him. I just got to trust him. Let's stand together. Sorry I kept you over tonight. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.